Hello and welcome to another episode of the Average Joe Football Show. I'm your host, Joe Fair. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of Tom Brady's favorite football Tom Brady's podcast. Favorite, uh, football That's podcast. right. I'm joined by a little bit of a different person for the intro today. Joe's not here. He's 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 too big for the show. He's too big for the intro. I'm Remember, joined. He's behind me. He's behind you. He's behind you. He is behind the mic. But we have the guy in front of the mic. We have Mike himself. Yo, yo, yo. Mike, how's it going, man? Dude, it's good, Joe. A little nerve-wracking to be on the intro. I'm filling big shoes. Uh, I should say small shoes because Joe's under six foot. But uh, filling in <laughs> some shoes today. Um, so pretty nervous, but I'm actually very excited at the same time. It's going great. What about you, man? Yeah, dude, we called you up to the big leagues. Uh, you know, we, we had you doing the grunt work for a little bit, talking about the football stuff, and now we're we're calling you up to the to the opening banter. It's a uh, it's a big deal, but uh, I've been good. I've been good. Can't really complain. It's snowing like crazy here uh, in in lovely old Canada. No joke. It's... We're gonna ha- we're having a huge storm tonight, so that's gonna be a little interesting. I'm sure it's not. At all the same where you're residing at, you but no, would things be one hundred percent surprised, Joe. We've gotten like really? two inches of snow down here. Really? Yeah, me and my daughter. I got pictures of it to prove. We're out there running around in the snow no about an hour way. ago. Is that that's crazy? That, that that is that the first time your daughter's seen snow? Yes. Uh, yeah. Oh, wow. No, it actually snowed her her first year uh but she probably doesn't remember it but surprisingly we've actually gotten snow almost every year she's been born yeah so yeah we've gotten a bit of snow wow that's incredible i think it's you know it's all climate change related yeah. uh, and that's what this episode's going to be about it's going to be all about climate change oh and uh, what we yeah what we can do to better our and i'm just kidding we're not going to talk about that uh we have an exciting show coming up yes. we're going to get to football at some point we're going to talk about uh a lot of stuff basically a news roundup obviously we're going to talk about uh, the championship games that happened and uh real quick thank you guys for bearing with us i know it's another late upload this week uh it's been going on like that for a few weeks and i think next week is going to be a little bit of the same we've had some technical difficulties and scheduling difficulties so we appreciate you guys uh bearing with us uh through all this stuff hopefully after the super bowl and, and after we take a little break that everything's going to get back to normal but uh yeah thanks for bearing with us there but on today's episode, we're going to talk about the championship games. We're going to talk about Tom Brady retiring. We're going to talk about some other news around the NFL. We're going to talk about Brian Flores and all that's going on uh, in that insane story uh, from the former Miami Dolphins head coach. And then we're going to talk about some of the other head coaching uh, openings and, and some that have been filled. We haven't really talked about the head coaching carousel a whole lot because we've been so busy with the games and then uh, if we have time we'll get to a little award predictions uh, because the awards are coming up the nfl honors coming up this sunday this sunday uh not going to talk about the pro bowl so i hope you guys are not expecting that but i'm good on that and honestly that's a joke in itself uh i've I've said it for (laughs) many many years that the pro bowl needs to be changed because it's not even in my opinion it's not enjoyable to even watch it's hard to watch Oh, why even like the Pro Bowl is I like it's just a use. I I the only thing I think it's for is for children. I yeah. I don't understand. Like, as it when I was younger, I always look forward to the Pro Bowl because it's like oh, all the best players in one game. That's super exciting and cool. 
But then when you get older and you're like, this is not football. This is not football no. at all. Yeah, I know. When, when you watch players not even try to tackle each other, which I get it. You don't want to get hurt playing in the Pro Bowl. But, like, I mean, they should change the Pro Bowl to where uh, the winning team, like, it means something. Whether it's uh, winning, like, if the AFC wins, they get to uh, choose the opening coin toss. Or, like, just something. It needs to mean something for, like, a, uh, the big game. Um, I heard one thing when it came to baseball, like the all-star game is midway through the year. The winning team, um, basically gets home field advantage. And, you know, in, in, uh, the world series, you play three games on the road and four games at home or vice versa. Um, so yeah. I mean, home field advantage is a big thing because you actually play in your home stadium. Of course, NFL is different. You're at a different stadium, but I feel like something like that might spice up the pro bowl, you know? Yeah, potentially. I, um, uh, I guess the problem is that it's a neutral site Super Bowl every year, so you can't really yeah. have the whole home field advantage or whatever. But uh, I don't know. I, I I've thought like I've I've it's an interesting conversation like how to fix the Pro Bowl. Like and it, it's tough because you can complain about it, you can say it sucks, but like you kind of still want to have an All Star team yeah. for your sport. But like how do you fix it? Like I thought the other day maybe it would be cool to just have like a flag football game instead of like. But then, uh, like, what do you do with the offensive linemen? Like, they, you know, they're not a part of the game. I don't know, because it's just like, I can understand not trying hard in the Pro Bowl because you don't want to get hurt. Football's a violent sport. You don't want to tear your ACL in a useless game. Like, I totally understand that. Yeah. Uh, maybe maybe football's just not meant to have an all-star game, and maybe we can just, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I'm surprised this Pro Bowl even still happens, to be honest. I, I but, think uh, it's definitely... I think a good way to fix it would be honestly get rid of the Pro Bowl and just do more competitions like quarterback competitions, running back, receivers, yes. defensive backs, like all, even linemen. Like you can get offensive linemen in some sort of competitions. Like make it a two day thing. Day one, you know, you have a bunch of stuff. Day two, like make it like some kind of championship thing where at the end of it, you know, there are two people are going one on one in some sort of thing or like a couple people are going one on one or t team versus team, whatever it is. Um, and then, yeah, turn it to, like, some sort of competition like that. I think that would get a lot of views. Yes. Well, they used to do the skills competition. Yeah. Why not bring the bring the Pro Bowl back to Hawaii, let the players, like, have a vacation, like, make it a fun thing, do, like, the skills competition. I saw something on Twitter that there's going to be, like, a fastest man challenge or something oh. at this year's Pro Bowl. So that's kind of cool if they do yeah. that. I know they've been doing, like, do dodgeball and stuff like that, but, like, that's not the type, type, type of stuff, like, we want to see. Like, oh, I want to see, like, foot races. Like, like, yeah. I was going to say, just keep going. I got something after this. Okay, okay, yeah. Uh, like, like the foot races. And they used to do, like, you were talking about things for offensive linemen. They used to do, like, the bench press competition. Like, have, like, a bench press competition. Have, like, kicker competitions. Yeah. That'd be fun, even for, like, the kickers. The quarterback competitions. The longest throw competition. Like, all yep. this. This is entertaining stuff. Like, I, I go back and watch this stuff on YouTube sometimes. Like, the old ones between like Peyton Manning and like Tom Brady and and like all the all the old quarterbacks like Brett Favre like that's the type of stuff like people want to see like the pro bowl the game's not that fun but like you could have a lot of fun with all these like fun little competitions exactly and like i mean a long throw competition for quarterbacks would be fun accuracy quarterback like something for accuracy like where they got the golf carts moving the moving target thing um i would love to see the yeah. long throw comp cuz who would not like to see like Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady out there showing up these i know they probably wouldn't but showing up these young cats like that would be so funny to watch or yeah you know foot races like who wouldn't want to see jamar chase of course he's in the super bowl but like 
Jamar, I mean, Justin Jefferson versus Tyreek Hill or even DK versus Tyreek Hill. Like, yes. Um, Tyler Lockett versus Tyreek Like, stuff like that. And, you know, defensive backs can get on yeah. that because they're pretty quick. And, he, like you said, the linemen doing bench presses or some sort of activity like that. Like, I don't know, dude. I, I think they have so much potential to make it more fun. Um, and it, it wouldn't be that hard to change. And, I mean, the likelihood of you getting hurt doing competitions versus an actual game, I feel like is a lot less. So I, I think players would be more in tune to doing it versus playing a meaningless game, you know? So I, I feel like they have plenty of opportunities to change it up. Yeah, for sure. Like, and who wouldn't like, I, you've heard so much about who can throw the football further, Josh Allen or Patrick yeah. Mahomes. Uh, listen, they're both not in the Super Bowl. This is the perfect year. Let's get those guys together. Let's have them have a, have a longest throw competition. Maybe, and maybe listen, I don't keep up with the Pro Bowl. Maybe all the things that we were just recommending, they're already doing this year. I have no idea if they are, Great, that's yep. awesome. But I don't, I don't think that they are doing it. But like, I, I definitely think there's so many ways you can make the Pro Bowl like a way more fun thing. Mostly just by getting rid of the game. The game is really not. I mean, yeah, uh, nobody, nobody cares about the game anymore. And like, they tried to do the fantasy draft a few years ago, and that didn't really make it any more fun. And it's just like, you know, just we just want to see like these players, you know, go at each other in like some some sort of competitions. I think that would be, that would be fun. Uh, but anyways, I think that's more than enough talk oh, yeah. about the Pro Bowl. I think we've we've given the Pro Bowl due diligence. I think we just we just said before we started talking about the Pro Bowl that we're not going to talk about the Pro Bowl. And we talked about and it for like we've 15 talked minutes. About the, yeah, we've talked about the Pro Bowl for way too much time. But why don't we, if Mike, if you're ready, why don't we get into some football conversation? Dude, I'm in 100%, dude. Let's, let's make it happen. I'm not, I'm not JT, well. so... No, no jokes yeah. or anything in this one, but let's get to the football, man. Dude, why not? Like we're here anyways. We might as well talk a little football. And listen, if you want to throw a couple jokes in there, that's fine. I'm, I'm here for that. Dude. But uh, yeah, why don't we talk a little football? Uh, and before we get into championship games, I want to, I want to quickly just, well, not quickly. We can, we can do with it what we please. But Tom Brady, Tom Brady, uh, the greatest quarterback. Of all time, undoubtedly the greatest quarterback of all time, uh, called it quits. Finally, after 22 years in the NFL, uh, the 44-year-old, he's, 40, he's yeah, still 44, right? He's not 45 yet. Yeah, turning 45 this year, he called it quits uh, after his 22nd year in the NFL. There was a lot of weird drama going on this past weekend where, like, on Saturday, Jeff Darlington Adam and, and, and Adam Schefter... Yeah, they reported that he had retired and then everybody was like giving him his flowers and they were like, oh, Tom Brady's retired. And then all of a sudden Tom Brady's dad comes out and says, hey, he's not retired. And then Tom Brady on his podcast says he hasn't made a decision um, on on whether or not he is retiring. Uh, this is his favorite podcast. So maybe if he was on this podcast, he would have shared that on the podcast. But, uh, you know, uh, he he didn't share it on there. And then a day later, finally... Uh, yesterday, which yes. would be Tuesday. Wednesday, Tuesday, Monday. Uh, for those of you, I don't know when this episode's going up, but a couple days ago for you guys, Tom Brady officially retired from the NFL. Mike, I, you're the Patriots fan. You're the resident Patriots fan, unfortunately, but uh, you had the pleasure of Ouch. rooting for uh, Tom Brady your entire um, life, essentially. Like mm -hmm. we, there's never been. For me and you, we're both yep. 20... How old are we? 24. 24? 24. <laughs> we're 24. Yeah. Uh, 
So we've we've, not, we've gone our whole lives, yeah. our whole lives with watching Tom Brady. Mike, um, I want to let you have the first word on, I don't know, just wherever you want to take it with the retirement of Tom Brady. Well, I first off would like to say that I was very harsh on Brady this year, of course. As a Patriots fan, I love Tom Brady. We'll always be thankful and grateful for Tom Brady. I've said it to a lot of people. A lot of people accuse me of being a bandwagon or potentially going to be a bandwagon when he left. I was not. I stayed true to being a Patriots fan, even though we sucked for a year. Um, but no, I would just, you know, Tom Brady, I started watching football because of Tom Brady. He got me through a lot of dark times in my life. You know, just the joy he brought to the Patriots and the winning he brought and the competitiveness. It got me through a lot of stuff, um, mentally and physically. And no, I mean, I owe a lot of joy and happiness to Tom uh, for winning and bringing me so much happiness as a football fan. I got to enjoy since basically the 07 season when they went undefeated. I've got to enjoy football since then. And I still enjoy and I still will continue to enjoy football because of him. And so, I mean, Tom Brady is the, is the definition of a, um, of, a, of a leader, of a dominant once-in-a-lifetime player. And, I mean, I, I knew this day would come eventually. But, like, yesterday, it, yeah, it was yesterday that I got announced. Like, I was sad. As much as I, like, thought that when he retired, I'd be like, wow, like, okay, that's cool. But, like, no, I was very sad. I was like, man, like. Now Brady's gone, um, Manning's gone, Breeze is gone, Rivers is gone, Eli Manning's gone. Like that that generation of quarterbacks are gone, and we got the new wave in, which is super exciting. But it just it it, it sucked a little hearing that Brady retired, and who knows where he's gonna go from here? Um, who knows if he'll come back? I kind of hope yeah. he doesn't, cause like he he did everything he could on the football field, I believe. You know, he won seven Super Bowls. He was basically leading in every stat column there is um so i just would like to say thanks thank you to tom brady thank you 12 for everything you've done for the sport everything you've done for the patriots for the bucks and just for me being a fan like i just want to say thank you and a lot of people were were, were salty that he didn't shout out the the bucks i mean the patriots in his his retirement speech on instagram but to those people i would like to say two years ago he did shout out the patriots when he left and I just, I don't know. I feel like he's already done so much for us. Like he doesn't need to. And I wasn't salty. I was kind of like, man, they're making this a big deal. I was salty about that, but they didn't need to. Um, but I mean, he's given us so much. Why? Like, why does he need to give us more? He's already given us enough. But no, I just want to say thank you, Tom, for everything, all the great memories. And I wish and hope you the best in retirement. Um, but yeah, Joe, what do you, what would you like to add to that? Oh yeah. Uh, I couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, I have very different experience with Tom Brady. Uh, obviously, I am uh, a Miami Dolphins fan, so Tom Brady has tormented uh, my life for oh man, like twenty some years now. Uh, it's you know, Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time, and there was a time in my life where I wanted to just you know, I was trying to reject that. I was like, oh, now Peyton Manning's better, and I still love Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning's one of my favorite quarterbacks of all time. But there was a certain point, like the older I get, it's like the more I learn to respect Tom Brady, uh, the more that I, uh, you know, I just I have, I don't know what it is, but the older I get, I I I have less hatred for Tom Brady, and I, I and I can think of one specific moment, and it was. His last Super Bowl with the New England Patriots, uh, during that whole run, 
I, I, I was found myself slowly starting to hate Tom Brady less and less. And just, you know, up until that point, all the Super Bowls, you know, that Tom, that Tom Brady and the Patriots had won, I, I, soon as Super Bowl's over, I turn it off. I'm done. I don't want to see it. I don't want to see Tom Brady celebrating. But I remember when that Super Bowl happened, it was against the Rams. One of the more boring Super Bowls. Definitely not like a, yep. you know, crazy entertaining Super Bowl by any means. But I remember just, I was like, I remember, you know, this is when I had, I was already married. I, I, it's crazy. That seems like it was forever ago, but it's really not that long yeah. ago. But I was married. I was moved out of my, my, my parents' place. And, and I was just sitting there and I'm, and I, and I was like, I'm going to keep it on and I'm just going to watch the celebration. And I, that, I think that's kind of the point where I was like, okay, I respect Tom Brady because, you know, rooting against the, the greatest in a sport is exhaust like is exhausting man it's exhausting it's the same reason why i don't want to root against patrick mahomes and, and people like that not to say that patrick mahomes is at the level of a tom brady but you know at so at a certain point you just have to step back and you, you just have to appreciate greatness when you see it and i remember that that point just me taking a step back and being like okay you know we're probably never going to see a quarterback like this again we're never going to see a quarterback that dominates football the way that tom brady has the last 22 years like his stats are unbelievable he's a 15-time pro bowler three-time mvp three-time first team all pro uh he's an the all-time leader in passing yards passing touchdowns and uh and quarterback wins he's a seven-time obviously we know seven-time super bowl champion which is just unfathomable uh and he's a a five-time super bowl mvp and he's the winningest quarterback in the history of the NFL, and and it's just, uh, yeah, you just gotta. It, it's it's it is sad. It is honestly a sad day, especially when Tom Brady moved to the Bucks. That's when I you know I started to love him even more. Obviously, he wasn't on the Patriots anymore, so it was very exciting for me. Uh, and to see him go to a different team, and you know I know the Bucks were a talented team and and all that, and it wasn't just him winning that Super Bowl. But the fact that you can win a Super Bowl in your first season on the new team just, just to me proved again how great Tom Brady is and the difference that he makes in a locker room and you know just that confidence that he has and and that killer mentality and and how that how that translate to his teammates and, and it really did and so to me Tom Brady retiring it is sad because literally I've never watched football without Tom Brady so it's going to be a whole new a whole new experience uh, without Tom Brady winning, you know, every other Super Bowl and sometimes even more than that. So uh, obviously, best wishes, well wishes to Tom Brady. Uh, hopefully, you know, he has a, a great, as great an after uh, football career as he did or life as he did in football. But Mike, I, I, I do got to ask, are, are there any like, is there any like one moment or something that you'll remember most about Tom Brady? Is there any, you know, certain thing? And if not, that's fine too. But is is there like one or two moments that really stuck out to you throughout your Patriots fandom, throughout your Tom Brady fandom that that you're gonna look back on and say like this was like this was my favorite Tom Brady moment, or this was a moment that I'll remember. This is a moment that I'll you know tell my kids about that I got to witness. Is there is there any moments throughout Tom? I'm sure there are, but off the top of your head. Um, any moments that you'll just remember Tom Brady for in, in, in that sense? Yeah. Um, I mean, of course, there is plenty. I mean, I could say, you know, all, from all the Super Bowl victories to just all the regular season success or this or that. Um, 
Man, I would have to say the one that the one that I'm going to remember forever is obviously the Seahawks Pat Super Bowl because it was the first Super Bowl I got to witness them win. Um and but the one that I will remember and be grateful for is the the Pats Falcons Super Bowl and I think a play that goes on talked about a lot and of course it's been years but Brady threw a pick in the second quarter right before halftime. I got returned for a touchdown. And most quarterbacks would have thrown the pick and just let the guy go. And, I, you know, watching Brady run to the sideline. Meanwhile, you know, he, he was pretty slow and try and attempt to make a tackle. Uh, missing, but, you know, kind of getting on his knees and just watching them score a touchdown. Like, just the effort. Like, no matter what happened, like, he, he gave his 100% always. And it's something I will appreciate. Like, no matter what, like, Brady always did his best and prepared and tried his hardest. And no matter the circumstances, I always felt confident in Brady leading the team to victory. Um, And they did. They won that Super Bowl. You know, I was down in the dumps for over half the game. And then the comeback was so amazing that it was just, like, one of the best moments of my life. Um, So I always remember that Super Bowl and, you know, that play and just that game in general. Uh, but no, there's so many memories. Like I could talk, I could talk for probably three hours about things that just that were the best. Um, you mean plenty of losses too that I will remember, like the way like they lost, that sucked, but then they would bounce back, come back better than ever, and you know I don't know. You know the more I talk about it, the more sad I am because you know the more mm-hmm. I'm starting to realize like I'm like realizing okay it's done, it's over. Like my childhood yeah. hero that when I was like eight or nine when I started watching football is now gone. Um, and it's sad, you know, like, of course, you know, NFL should, should be fun next year. It should continue to get more fun, but it it does suck when, when your number one guy is just gone, especially now that like, that's everybody in that generation. Like now, of course we got Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen and, you know, I got Mac Jones and there's just so much young talent out there. That's gonna be fun to watch for years. And you said it best. I think hating on a quarterback for so many years and like taking it for granted. I felt like from the other side, like I was so used to winning that I took it for granted. Like I was like, oh, we're going to be here every year from like the next like 50 years. Like we're never going to lose. Yeah. And him leaving and us having a losing season. And then us, even though we got to the playoffs, we struggled at times. Like I took it so for granted, like knowing we were just going to be in the playoffs every year. Yep. And now it's completely different. I'm going to try to be better about hating Patrick Mahomes so much. And <laughs> I've actually stopped hating him so much because of his fiance and his brother. They've uh, kind yeah. of stolen the show. So I kind of started yeah. feeling bad and hoping Mahomes plays okay. But, you know, all my hate is kind of towards them. Not even hate, just like my dislikeness. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to try to be better because you said it best. Like, I don't want to waste all this time disliking a quarterback and then realizing, wow, like I just witnessed one of the greatest players of all time and i hated him for over half his career like i'm gonna try to just enjoy football from now on like if there's one thing i can take away from brady is just sit back and enjoy uh, yep. unbelievable talent absolutely uh absolutely couldn't have said it better myself uh you, one quick question before we move on do you think there's any chance tom brady pulls a brett Favre? you think you think there's any chance we we see Tom Brady again. He he comes out of retirement. I know he's almost forty five, but you think there's any chance we see him come back? I'm gonna say no. Um, yeah. 
I said he was going to retire. A lot of people doubted it. I'm not a guru. I'm not like I knew it was going to happen. But like, I think Tom knows that his body and like, I, I heard something that, and it made so much sense. Like, you know, most players, you know, off season starts March, April, May, whenever, you know, and they start getting ready. Tom is 45. He has to, you know, season ends in January. They go on vacation. And if they win the Super Bowl February, they go on vacation for a week or two. He has to instantly get back in the gym for 12 hours a day, training his body. You know, Alex Guerrero's got to be there, giving him massages, giving him like working out his body to where it's flexible, to where it's ready to go. I just do not. I think that is the reason he retired. Not because he doesn't have the competitive spirit, not because he doesn't have the desire to play. I think not having any time off for the last 10 years because you got to get your body in shape to play this long has had such an effect on his personal life that he just, he doesn't want to miss any more time with his family. Like, I mean, if you told me you start in February, you end in January, you get a month off and you got to start again, 12 hours a day, all the way, like Joe, I would last a year, not even probably, I wouldn't even make it a year. Like that just goes to show how insane of a human he is. Yeah. I think he's done. I don't see, you know, he could pick up maybe coaching, owning a team. He could do that in the future, but I think as a player, he's, he, he, he's had his time in the NFL. Yeah, I, th- I think you're probably right. I, I do think he's done as well. And, and you, you can't hate on a guy for wanting to spend more time with his family. Uh, absolutely. I know his wife has, if, his, if it was up to Giselle, he would have retired like years ago. Years, years and years and years ago. Uh, I think like after that Seattle Super Bowl, then she was already saying like, oh, what, what else does he have to prove? But I just, it, it is kind of crazy to think like you talked about like what a kind of a different human being he is. Like he is like, He's a complete, he was a complete psychopath. That's what he was. He was a psychopath for winning his, I've never seen like the ad, like he has that Michael Jordan mentality that, or that Mamba mentality. Like just, just, just that, that, you know, he is, he's a psycho for winning. And that's why I just find it so, so like, I I think it's going to be a tough transition for him to go from a place where he's just constantly focused on winning to like finding motivation in other ways. But I hope he does find it. and, And I think it's great that he's, He's going to spend time with his family. Uh, I do. I, I do also think like it's cool that he he's not leaving because he sucks. Even though he said that's what that's why he was going to retire. Like he went out in his last season, he led the NFL in in passing yards. Like like he led. I think he led the NFL in passing touchdowns as well. Like this. Like he was one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL in his final year. Like he's could potentially win MVP this year. I, I you know, we'll we'll get into maybe that later on, but like he has a legitimate shot. Like he's a top two candidate for MVP in his final season at 44. I mean that's impressive. That, that's just nuts. He was leading in touchdowns and passing yards, Joe. You were correct that's, on that. It's incredible. And he I think that's 12, 12 picks yeah. as a 45 year old. I think that's incredible. Like like we've seen other quarterbacks like go out like Peyton Manning. He went out like he won a Super Bowl, so you can't say it was too bad. But he went out kind of sad with his physical ability. Like, he couldn't throw the ball the same way anymore. Uh, you know, we've seen other quarterbacks that, like, when they get to the end of their careers, Big Ben this year has been... Brett Favre. Yeah, Brett Favre. Absolutely, Brett Favre. He's, all three was, times. All, yeah, all three times Brett Favre retired. Uh, but I think it's really cool to, to for Tom Brady to be able to go out on top. Like, I know he didn't win the Super Bowl, Literally. and I know he said he would have loved to win a Super Bowl. But, like... To go out as one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, and we never 
got to witness Tom Brady suck. Like we never got to see his arm exactly. fall apart. Like we thought his That's arm was nuts. falling apart in his final year in New England, and then he came to Tampa Bay and started throwing bombs all over the field. Like it's just incredible what Tom Brady's done. Yeah, and Joe, I mean, if we really wanted to, I mean, we could sit the next hour and talk about everything he's done, and I would enjoy it because <laughs> Tom literally is a definition of just someone fun to watch. I think if I wasn't a Pats fan, I would be with you in the hating Tom Brady and then realizing why was I hating him all this time? I should have been enjoying what he's done. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, like, I mean, Tom Brady was just, he, I mean... I literally can't say enough about what he was to football. Like he was everything to football. And I am, you know, I see all these memes always like there's been millions and millions of years and you got to be, you got to witness so-and-so in your lifetime. I've got to witness so much greatness in my lifetime from musicians, uh, sports players. Um, just like I can go on and on, but like I lived during the same, um, time as you know tiger woods tom brady and i mean lebron james just missed out on michael jordan um but i know who he is like i mean i can't ask for more than that you know absolutely absolutely and obviously the greatest quarterback of all time uh finally calling it quits so cheers to tom brady Absolutely. Uh, and uh, we didn't give this big of a salute to, to, to Ben Roethlisberger, but congratulations to him retiring. Congratulations, as well. Ben! Thank congratulations, you, Ben. Ben, you're 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 good too, and he'll be in the Hall you're of Fame a, as well. But sorry, you're a great when Tom, player. When Tom Brady retires the same year as you, it's kind of tough. You know, he's kind of yeah. the best to ever do it. But anyways, like you said, we could talk the whole podcast on Tom Brady. He's had that kind of a career, uh, but we got to move on eventually. And Mike. Uh, it feels like forever ago at this point, but there were a couple of games that happened this past weekend. The AFC Championship and the NFC Championship. So we officially have a Super Bowl matchup set, and it's just the way everybody predicted it at the beginning of the NFL season. Oh, absolutely. The Saint, Sorry, not the St. Louis. Wow, I almost said St. Louis Rams. Holy smokes. Uh, the Los Angeles Rams versus... Obviously, everybody's Super Bowl pick to start the season. The Cincinnati Bengals, you know, the team that went four and eleven last year. You know that team, four and twelve, whatever they were. Um, yeah, they're in the Super Bowl now too. Uh, so we're gonna go and we're, we're gonna talk a little bit about some of the games, Mike. Uh, why don't we start with the AFC Championship game between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Kansas City Chiefs? Uh, Wow. Wow. I know yeah. you pre- you predicted the Bengals to win. So listen, I know and that's, you know, I know that's just you being a Chiefs hater, but uh, um <laughs> you 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 predicted them to win. You predicted them to win and they won uh 27 to 24 to advance to the Super Bowl. How in the world did we get here, Mike? The Cincinnati Bengals beating the Kansas City Chiefs at Arrowhead to advance to the Super Bowl. Two words. Joe Shiesty. Joe the man Shiesty. is a legend, Joe. I mean, before a game even starts, he tells everyone that he's played in SEC championships way louder than Arrowhead Stadium, which first off, ballsy statement. Yeah, that's bold. Ballsy statement. And uh, that's Doritos bold, Joe. And they go in there and they're down... I think 
11 points with like 10 seconds left in the first half, not playing well offensively. And the Chiefs are on, I believe, like the five-yard line. And, um, of course, Patrick Mahomes throws a Tyree kill. Amazing tackle by, I believe, Eli Apple and another defender to stop him short of the goal line. Clock runs out because they're out of timeouts, going to half. I told my buddies, I said, that was big. That was massive. Mm-hmm. The Chiefs go up even a field goal, a touchdown, whatever it is. Game's almost out of reach. That was massive. Come out of half. Chiefs come out kind of dead. Um, I will get to that later on in a segment. But um, no, Joe Burrow just kind of stole the show. The offensive line struggled, I think, again. And he just was able to extend plays enough to get to his receivers. Joe Mixon had a had a good day. Um, 21 attempts, 88 yards, I believe. Um, Joe Burrow, 23 for 38, two touchdowns a pick. 250 yards. I mean, Bengals came out um, in the second half and did everything they needed to to extend the game. And of course, Joe, when the Chiefs needed to go down the field to tie the game, send it to overtime, what do they do? They do that. Um, and I, I, I told the game, my buddies, winner of the coin toss wins this game. Yeah. And the Chiefs won the coin toss. One of my buddies right away goes, we need to change the rule. I said, no, you know, defense has to step up and make plays. You know, uh, we can change the rule, but it's going to piss off a lot of other teams that have gone through this in the past. Defense has to do something. And Joe, as it only took 13 seconds for them to tie the game against the Bills, (laughs) it took exactly 13 seconds for Patrick Mahomes to throw a pick in (laughs) overtime. And uh, Bengals get the ball. Don't waste any time. Get down the field. And Evan McPherson is the man they wanted him to be as he has not missed a field goal in the playoffs. I think he's eight for eight or 11 for 11 sends the Bengals to the promised land to the super bowl. And I just an epic game, Joe. Like, I mean, from start to finish, loved the entire thing. Yeah, it was a, it was a great game. What it was basically a tale of two games. The first half was dominated by the chiefs. I mean, the chiefs, when they came out, I was like, okay, this is the exact same team we saw last week versus the bills they can't like i don't think people even remember like i know this like like i said the game feels like it was forever ago how dominant the chiefs were in the first half of this game like they came out rolling like patrick mahomes was on fire he was like there's a there is two touchdowns one to tyree kill and one to travis kelsey in that first half i I had a friend over uh, and we were talking and and, and, you know, Patrick Mahomes was, would start rolling out and scrambling. And I remember uh, twice, I was two for two on this. I would go, they were, they were close to the end zone, and I would go, oh, there's, there's going to be a touchdown on this drive, on, on this play. And, yep, it was Patrick Mahomes rolling around, rolling around, too much time, you know, finds Tyreek Hill for the touchdown. And then later finds Travis Kelsey for the touchdown. They were up 21-3 to three going into the, uh, not into the half, sorry, midway through the second quarter. Uh, Cincinnati scored a late uh, touchdown, and then you talked about that that second half, or that 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 right before the second half, going for it with five seconds left, not being able to pick it up, and that turned that flipped the game. And Patrick Mahomes, for as amazing as he was in that first half, he was brutal in the second half. This was probably one of the worst games I've ever seen Patrick Mahomes play in the second half. Like, and I would have never expected it to happen to him. Like, of all quarterbacks, if you would have told me Patrick Mahomes completely fell apart up 21 to 3, I would have, I would have thought you were crazy. 
But that's exactly what happened. Patrick Mahomes, he did exactly what me and you have been talking about, Mike, for for the whole season. All season, yeah. Yep, all season. Their struggles. He's trying to do too much. He's trying to do too much. And I know early in the in, in the first half and, and last week seemed like the whole game in Buffalo, he could dance around, spin around, do these little twists or whatever, you know, and not get touched by anybody. And and it was working. In the second half, it seemed like he was still trying to do that, you know, do, do all these little dances and, and stuff before he threw the ball and, like, holding the ball for 15 seconds every single play and, and not just taking what the defense gives you, but trying to be a hero, trying to play hero ball, and it almost bit them in the butt at the end of regulation when Patrick Mahomes took that huge sack that oh. turned like a chip shot field goal into like a 44-yarder. And he fumbled it. And he, yeah, and he fumbled the ball nearly. Yeah, that's right. I can't believe I forgot that. He fumbled the ball, nearly blew the game. Like, it was just, it was so bizarre. For as good as Joe Burrow was, and he was really good, and I'll give him his credit. I've been on the Joe Burrow hype train for for weeks now. I, I I've been I've been riding that and and, and saying uh, how much I love Joe Burrow and 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 how amazing he's been. And I can't wait to see him in the Super Bowl. Uh, but to see Patrick Mahomes collapse like that, I think that's the bigger story in this game. Was the Chiefs? Oh yeah. Completely falling apart. Like Patrick Mahomes completely falling apart in this game. And I but I, I will give credit. To Lou Anarumo, the the defensive coordinator for the Cincinnati Bengals, you know, the, to make those adjustments at half, and they basically rushed nobody, you know, go, going into that second half, they basically just sat back and said, okay, uh, we're just going to cover everybody, and that worked really, really well. Patrick Mahomes did not look like the same guy, and it's just crazy. Like if you look at the Chiefs, the the first half, so they had drives. This is their first half. They had drives of 85 yards, 75 yards. 72 yards, 80 yards, and then on the next five possessions after those, they gained just 34 yards. It's just insane. The tale of two halves to have, it's like the Chiefs get bored or something. Like, I don't understand. This is something we, like, it seems like we're going back to what we talked about in the middle of the season when the Chiefs were struggling. It's like they get bored when they're up or they're expected to win. Like, they, they had the motivation, they had the juice last week against the Bills, but, like, now they went into a game where they're the favorite, and, you know, they got up to this lead, and it's like, they just, they let their foot off the gas gas pedal, Mike. I don't even, I don't even know how to, what to what to say about it. Like, it's just, it, it's it's baffling. Yeah. And, Joe, I mean, like, like you said, we've said it all year. Um, it's crazy how a team can figure out, you know, the Chiefs, and then they win seven straight games, and it seems like they do... Like the other op- opposing teams will do everything wrong against them, and then you see a game like this where the team does everything right, and you're like, "Why can't everyone just do this?" Because yeah. I remember specifically we talked about it near the beginning of the year. The way to beat the Chiefs is to drop as many people in coverage as possible, not blitz Patrick Mahomes, because he's gonna run around and make plays happen. Drop as many people in coverage, and then Patrick Mahomes will look like absolute like he'll just look like an average quarterback, and. Like you said, what did Cincinnati do in the second half? They dropped everyone they could into coverage. Patrick Mahomes did absolutely nothing in the second half. The Chiefs put up three points, and that was in the final like two minutes of the game. Um, so I don't get why teams hadn't done that all year. Another thing I saw was in like the first five games, the defense had been giving up, I don't know, roughly 20-plus points a game, struggling. That's why they got off to such a terrible start. During their win streak, they were only giving up it was between 12 or 16 points a game, which was absolutely amazing. 
And then the final four games, um, the Bills, and then the final three games before that, their defense, again, had allowed 20-plus to close to 30 points a game. And before the game started, when I saw that stat, I said, there's a good chance the Bengals are going to win this game. If they can put up points, they're going to win this game. And we saw it again. The defense allowed 27 points. I wouldn't say they necessarily struggled because if the Chiefs can continue to roll in the second half like they did in the first half, I mean, it's 42-24-27. Chiefs are going to the Super Bowl. So the offense, I mean, struggled enough. But, um, yeah, Joe, it's just nuts how how they collapsed like that. I did not see that coming. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. And I think, you know, credit to Joe Burrow and the Bengals. I think the, the play that really defined this game was that Chris Jones play at the, at near the end of the end of the fourth quarter there when, when Chris Jones had two chances to sack Joe Burrow and Joe Burrow just said, nope, I'm, I'm, I'm winning this game. And in that attitude, I think Joe Burrow is so much like Tom Brady in that sense where he's just got this swagger about him. He's not scared. He's only in his second season, uh, but he's got a chance to win the Super Bowl just like Tom Brady did uh, in his second season. So really exciting times, but uh, yeah, a re- really fun game. Congratulations to the Bengals, and it's so cool to see a, a, a franchise and a fan base uh, make it to the Super Bowl, a team that's had so many rough years. Uh, and, yeah. and, you know, it's such a tough time. Really cool to see them into the Super Bowl. But there was also another game, the NFC Championship, played between the Los Angeles Rams and the San Francisco 49ers. And the Rams finally, finally pick up a win after six straight losses against Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers. Sean McVay and the Los Angeles Rams pick up a huge win to get themselves into the Super Bowl. Uh, This was another good game. Every single game in the playoffs this year has essentially been a good game. We've been very, very blessed in that sense. But this was a 17, or sorry, 20 to 17 victory for the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, and uh, yeah, this was this was a fun one, Mike. Uh, Matthew Stafford uh, made winning plays when he when he needed to make plays. Uh, came back in this game. The Rams seem to be another one of those teams, kind of like the Chiefs, when their backs against the wall, when they need motivation. That's when they step up big. We saw them blow a huge lead to the same 49ers team in the final week of the season. But in this game, they were up. They were down 17 to seven. At one point in the third quarter of this game, and you saw them just the keep fourth, fighting. Joe, in the, in the fourth, was it in the fourth quarter they were the down? Beginning of the fourth cent? quarter, they were still down. All right, yeah, that is, yeah, that's even, that's even worse. They were, yeah, they were down seventeen to seven, uh, and they just kept fighting. They just kept fighting, and it, it really seemed like I don't know me watching the game, and it, it happened a while ago, so it feels like you know I don't remember as much as I as I did you know a couple days ago, but it seemed like the Rams. They never, they never seemed out of it. They always seemed like they were almost playing almost a better game than the Niners, but they just had some, some strikes of ba- some strokes of bad luck. You have Matthew Stafford throw that early interception, but late in the game, Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, Aaron Donald, uh, Jalen Ramsey, these guys, Von Miller, the guys that you they went and paid for the super team that they built. Those guys stepped up when they needed. To step up big, Mike. I don't know what your thoughts are uh, on this NFC Championship. It was just another great game, Joe. Um, Rams went down early. Niners were up early. Um, I honestly thought Niners had it. And uh, when the Rams kind of started marching back, I was like, man, ooh, it's going to get tight. 
Sean McVay did everything he could to choke away this win by yeah. challenging like every play necessary for some reason, and they had no, had no timeouts, timeouts for the- like the whole fourth quarter. Yeah, and I was like, if this comes down to time management, the the Rams are absolutely screwed, and that would have just been an embarrassing way to lose. Like you get down to like the final four minutes of the game, and you just cannot stop the clock at all. Um, I mean, at this point, he was fixing to give away the two-minute warning. Um, so, but, you know, Rams prevailed and good for them. Niners, I feel I feel incredibly sad for the Niners because they were that scrappy team. No one believed in them. Kind of a little bit like the Bengals in the beginning part of the season. Like, no one really trusted them, had faith in them, believed in them. And they went on a heck of a run, heck of a story. I have one one take, Joe, um, All right. on on a player in this game. Here, I'll, I'll ask you here in just a bit. You know, the Niners, if you're a Niners fan, I'd be incredibly proud of how far you got. Um, even to put up such a big fight up against a, a, a team that was built to make it to the Super Bowl. You just, you have to be, you have to be proud of how far you guys got. So kudos to the, the Niners for, for getting this far, putting up such a, you know, a good fight all year long, making it such a good, fun game to watch. Um, but I had, I had, a friend tell me after the game is over, Jimmy G needs to leave the Niners because he's nothing more than a game manager and a mediocre quarterback. I literally was so set off by that statement. Oh, boy. Um, because, you know, I hear it a lot everywhere. And I'm going to say right now, Jimmy G was a Patriot. This has nothing to do with his stint with the Patriots because he did absolutely really nothing with the Patriots besides be Tom Brady's bench warmer. Um, the man is a winner. I don't care if he throws the ball 15 times a game. He does exactly what he's needed to do. That is a run first team and a defensive team. It always has been. You know, you look at the stretches they've gone on. Their defense has always been as top as they can come, um, as loaded as they can come. They've always been really good at running the football. When they had Colin Kaepernick, Alex Smith, like they were always a run first team. And to tell me that Jimmy Jimmy G is a mediocre quarterback just because he does not throw 400 yards a game, throw for 40 times a game and four touchdowns a game. I don't get how you can insult a quarterback that can continue to help your team win. And one, Niners knocked off the Packers in Lambeau. Jimmy G has a 4-1 and record um, in the playoffs, I believe. You know, the two rings, again, were with the Patriots. But the man just wins, Joe. He finds any way to help his team win. Like, yeah, we can say that last play of the game, he threw a pick. If you're not watching the game, you don't know what you're talking about because I watched it. I saw the ball go directly through his running back's hands. That's fair. I mean, that is actually last fair. year in the Super Bowl, we we were talking about how Patrick Mahomes did everything right and his receivers couldn't catch. Why are we not saying the same for Jimmy G? He literally yeah. held off Darren, Aaron Donald for as long as possible and still threw a pass in his receiver's hands and it went straight through his receiver's hands and got picked off. Like I was so annoyed. I was like, you guys, there's so unnes- so much unnecessary hate. I know he's not Tom Brady level, Aaron Rodgers level. He's still a good quarterback in my eyes. He still deserves to be a starter in this league. But I would like to hear your take on this. That's that's fair. The, the interception there at the end, he does get a lot of blame for that. I don't know. Like, I don't know how much he was supposed to do. It was like third. I think it was third or third down. It was and, third and 10. Yeah. Would have been fourth and 20 it's if he like took a he, need, he needed to get rid of the ball like, and not get sacked. And it did hit his running back in the hands. Like, that's, that's something like people are like, oh, he pulled a Carson Wentz. And it's like, no, he didn't. Like, he didn't pull a Kyler Murray like Kyler Murray did in his, his playoff game. Like, he threw it to the running back like he was getting sacked i believe aaron donald was all like yeah. all over him 
And it was just like, yeah, that I, I, I'd agree. And, and I understand what you're saying. Like winning is a thing. And like, I, you know, some people just win. Uh, however, I do, I do have kind of a counterpoint and it's okay to di disagree with me if you do. Absolutely. But, but to me, yes, Jimmy G, is he the worst quarterback in the NFL? Absolutely. Absolutely not. There was worse quarterbacks in this playoffs. You know, uh, you know, there's, there, there's 100% worse quarterbacks in, in, in the NFL. And in, in, I think he'll go somewhere and he'll probably be a, you know, a solid starter. I think he is a solid starter. And, and, and I think he is a, a, a good game manager he's very much an alex smith level quarterback like from what we saw from alex smith and with the chiefs and a little bit with the niners that's kind of how i see him however my big takeaway from this game and from this playoffs is the same takeaway that i've always had and that is to take that next step to be that super bowl champion you need better than a game manager you need better than jimmy g and that's with all due respect to jimmy g I think, you know, look who's in the Super Bowl, Joe Burrow. This guy's a budding superstar. He's going to be one of the greatest quarterbacks. You know, obviously, knock on wood, knock on wood, he, he stays healthy and, you know, he continues at the trajectory he's at right now. And look at the other quarterbacks that got to this point. Patrick Mahomes. You look at Matthew Stafford. You know, he's always been up there with, with you know, top five, top seven quarterbacks in the NFL. To me... You can get so far with a quarterback, and we've seen it with the Titans, with Ryan Tannehill. We've seen it with the Rams, with Jared Goff. We've seen it with Jimmy G now, you know, and back when they made it to the Super Bowl. You can make it so far, but at the end of the day, you need a quarterback that can get you a bucket. You need a quarterback that when you need a play right now, that, and listen, not to say that they're always going to do it. You know, Patrick Mahomes dropped the ball this past week. And he's one of the greatest mm -hmm. quarterbacks I've ever witnessed. But in big situations, you need a guy that's going to be able to get you that bucket. You know, get you that play that you need. Joe Burrow shaking off Chris Jones. You need a guy that's going to make plays like that. I just don't think Jimmy G is that guy. You need a guy that's going to take take the game by the horns. A guy like Tom Brady, you know, sitting on the bench. He's watching his defense give up a score. And you know, okay, Tom's about to go on the field. He's going to take the game into his own hands. He's going to march us down the field. Like You need that kind of a guy, and you can get so and so far. And do you need this kind of guy to win a Super Bowl? No, but you need everything else to be perfect if you, don't, if, if you want to win a Super Bowl with a guy like Jimmy G. And again, I think Jimmy G can be a solid starter, and he, could, you know, and he was just a few minutes away from winning a Super Bowl. But what did we see at the end of that Super Bowl? He had a chance to put the 49ers up and he missed Emmanuel Sanders wide open down the field. You know, if that's Patrick Mahomes, if that's Joe Burrow, if that's Josh Allen, do they miss that throw? You know, that, that, we'll never know. That's, that's up for debate, but my guess is no. So to me, as good as Jimmy G is, and I, and I do agree to a certain extent with what you're saying, you need to have a next level quarterback if you want to compete at a high level in the NFL. Yeah, Joe, you know, I, you know, I agree with that hundred percent. Um, and I'm always up for arguments, always up for debates. I love them. I just, I think the word game manager is used as such an insult nowadays. Meanwhile, the quarterback position is literally to be the game manager. So I just, I don't understand calling a quarterback, a game manager. I'm not calling you it. I've heard it from like a thousand Tom Brady's now, the greatest so game over. manager of all time. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I do have one more thing in closing. 
it's a counter, but it's also going to counter my counter. So I'm basically <laughs> arguing that some uh, I'm arguing for Jimmy G, but I'm also going to argue against him. Um, Jimmy G probably had one of his best playoff performances of his career in this game. Um, going 16 for 30, 232 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. And again, that pick shouldn't have been a pick. Um, so I will say he did everything he could have done. It seemed like to win that game. I feel like their defense had some plays, which I will talk about in a segment coming up here, hopefully shortly. Um, but yeah, I felt like he did almost everything he could to get everyone involved to help win that game. You know, we saw Aaron Rodgers two weeks ago do everything he could to not get anyone else besides Devonta Adams and Aaron Jones involved. I feel like Jimmy G did everything he could to give the entire offense involved to where they could win that game. But to counter my own argument, he had a chance, two minutes left in the game, I believe one or two timeouts, to go down the field and take that next step as a quarterback and lead his team to the Super Bowl. And again, he failed to do so. Will I say it's all Jimmy G's fault? No, because again, he got it to his running back, his dump off guy to have a fourth and seven, fourth and eight to see if we get the drive going and his running back let the ball go straight through his hands and get picked off. So, I mean, if the Niners win this game somehow, Jimmy G, I think, would have then taken that next step um, or he would have proved like, look, I can win big games, but it didn't happen. So, I mean, I can see both sides of the argument. I hate it. It's annoying. He does get a lot of unnecessary hate. But, you know, at the end of the day, he he hasn't taken that next elite step, um, like like some would say. Um, but, like I said, that was in closing. Um, other than that, it was a great game. Both games were amazing games. I enjoyed both football games a lot. And, dude, this Super Bowl, Joe, I think is going to be one of the best Super Bowls we've seen in a good while. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. I was a little disappointed we didn't get Chiefs. Rams, I, that's that's the matchup I really really wanted. But I, I'm listen. Now the more I think about it, the Bengals are a really fun team. I think uh, they ha- absolutely have a shot at winning this Super Bowl, uh, and I'm really looking forward to it. We won't preview the Super Bowl really much at all in this game because we have a we have a, a an episode next week where we're, we're going to get really down and dirty. We're going to just you know really get into Super Bowl matchup by matchup, all that stuff, really break down the Super Bowl for you, have a little fun with it. So we won't do that this week. Uh, Instead, we'll move on to a brand new segment that Mike's going to introduce to us here. Uh, Mike, I'll just let you take the floor. I don't know a whole lot. Listen, I don't know. You kind of described it to me, but I, I I won't try to explain it. I'll let you explain to our listeners what this new segment is all about. All right, I'm pumped. Um, I'm pretty sure most of you guys listening and girls would hopefully know um, that the NFL a lot of times, I don't remember exactly what channel does it the most or what does it, um, but they have the come on man moments where it shows a lot of players making just goofy mistakes or doing stuff that's like face palm worthy. Um, I thought maybe we could do our own type of segment like that where we kind of introduce some things. That I was like, what are you guys doing out there? And I would like to call it either, I'm not sure yet, haven't 100% settled on names. It's either going to be Folgers Classic Roast or something to do with Tim Hortons because, you know, the show did originate and is in Canada. Um, so name will probably come next year if we do continue to do this segment. Um, but let's get right into it, Joe. I mean, we'll start off right now with the San Francisco 49ers. And I mean, what moment is bigger than Matthew Stafford literally punting, essentially punting the ball to number yeah. three, um, I don't want to butcher his name. 
I think it's Jaquista Tart. Whiskey. Jaquista. Yeah. See again, I I butchered that. Anyway, <laughs> we'll go with number three. Tart throwing up a prayer as a defensive back. That is your play in the biggest stage with like half the quarter, a fourth quarter to go. You have a wide open pick. It wasn't even close to the receiver, and Tart drops the ball. I mean. If it's a lineman out there, we're talking about a totally different story, Joe. But this is a defensive back who probably catches a thousand balls in practice. I mean, that's definitely a classic roast moment, Joe. We can't be having that in the championship game, especially with, you know, in the fourth quarter. So number three, I would hate to say it, but you kind of cost your team uh, a good chance of winning the game. But uh, let's move on to uh, uh, the next uh, team that's going to get this. And that is the Kansas City Chiefs. And uh, my classic roast moment for the Chiefs is kicking they, they i mean deciding not to kick a field goal before the first half oh boy joe they were up 21 to 10 at this point could have been 24 to 10 what do they do they're cocky they're confident that's fine but they got a little too cocky throw the ball to tyreek he gets tackled in bounds they run out the clock they go into half only up 11 points boom Bengals are still it's still, you know, a two possession game, which it would have been with a field goal. But I feel like getting those points, which we've seen time and time again, take the points, keep the momentum rolling. Don't let it shift. And it shifted momentum. Bengals took off, uh, end up winning the game. I mean, they win the game by a field goal, Joe. If we have that field goal for the Chiefs, who knows what happens? So that's definitely a classic roast moment, if you ask me. Um, let's move on to the next team. We'll go with the St. Louis Rams. And like I said earlier, I don't know what Sean McVay was trying to do, but having no timeouts essentially in the entire second half of that game, I mean, probably almost cost you the game. If they lose this game, that is by far the talking point of the, oh, yeah. the Rams going into the play. I mean, going into offseason is how can your coach allow you to lose all your timeouts so early in a second half when games tend to come down to clock management? Thankfully, had no end result or had no effect on the end result of the game. So not as bad as the first two, I guess, but still enough to give me or give the Rams a classic roast moment, Joe. And finally, this one was kind of hard to find, but for the Cincinnati Bengals, we got Joe Mixon nearly fumbling the football in overtime. Oh yeah. I don't know if you caught this. I didn't catch it during the game. I caught it afterwards. Joe Mixon gets gets the ball, runs it for, I believe, 15, 20 yards, gets kind of bumped, but continues to run, and then slides down on the ground, giving himself up, I guess you could say, putting the ball on the ground and getting up, and then they, they just kind of move on to the next play. Andy Reid, I don't know if the Chiefs called the timeout, but Andy Reid was going to yeah. try to, yeah, Andy Reid was going to try to call, I mean, try to throw a challenge. Of course, can't challenge in overtime. Only challenges can come up from, uh, from the booth, I believe. If you are Joe Mixon in the biggest game of your life mm -hmm. with the ball in your hands, you give that ball, you stand up, you give the ball to the ref, you move on. Mm -hmm. You do not put the ball on the ground because the Chiefs picked it up and ran. I mean, Joe, if this, if, if the refs wanted to, if that's a fumble, the Chiefs probably win this game. So if you're Joe Mixon, you cannot afford to do that ever again in your life. Yeah. If I'm the coach going into the locker room, I'm probably benching him in the Super Bowl. Like, <laughs> I mean, they nearly tossed the game. Nearly threw out the game for the Bengals. No, I'm just kidding. But that is definitely enough to give it a classic roast moment, Joe. Um, that's all I got. I wanted to do one for each team to start off and then maybe, you know, go into the Super Bowl or in the next year doing a couple more. But I just thought it'd be a fun segment to kind of break down some idiot 
or idiocracy in, in <sighs> each team. Some things they could have done better or some things they just done, did that was like, what are you doing, bro? I, I love it, man. I love it. I, I, I'm sorry I, did, I didn't bring bring so much to the table as you did. I, I really like that. Yeah, that, that whole Joe Mixon thing. Like technically he followed the rules, but you know, and he gave himself up, so it's not a fumble. But why take any chances, man? Exactly. You're on the door, doorstep of the Super Bowl. You hold on to that ball with both hands, and you do not let that thing touch the ground. I absolutely agree. Uh, but yeah, no, that's good. That's our brand new segment, I guess. You know, Folgers or Timmy's or or Starbucks or whatever you want to say. Classic roast. Dunkin', dude. We can go with all. Dunkin' Donuts. Classic roast. A moment by Mike. I love it. Uh, before we move on to uh, a little bit more news, some coaching coaching talk. Why don't we go through our winners and losers? I just have Absolutely. quick. I have one quick winner, one quick loser from the championship round. Uh, let's start off with my loser. We'll we'll get the negative out of the way. My biggest loser is Kyle Shanahan this this week. I think Kyle Shanahan is a phenomenal coach. Uh, all due respect. I do really like Kyle Shanahan. However, there's a little stat. And in the fourth quarter of Kyle Shanahan's last three playoff losses, he has been outscored 53-0 to zero in the fourth quarter of the last three playoff losses. So that's, that's, uh, that would include the Patriots beating him when he's the offensive coordinator. Uh, of the oh. Falcons, yep. He get he's he's behind the twenty-eight to three, uh, and then the Chiefs uh, bl- blowing that lead to the Chiefs, and now blowing this lead uh, to the Niner to the uh, Rams rather. Okay. So you know, Couch Anan, you got to figure out a way to close games. This could have maybe been my classic roast moment, but yeah, you got to figure out a way yeah. to to close games. And then my biggest winner. I'm going to say Matthew Stafford making it to the Super Bowl. 12 seasons stuck in Detroit. You know, a team that just couldn't get out of their own way. I'm, I'm really happy to see him make it to the Super Bowl. To see him him and his wife have a moment after the game. I don't know if you saw that, Mike. I did. But his, his wife had been battling cancer not that long ago. So that was really special. So really cool to see Matthew Stafford get a chance to play in the Super Bowl, play in big games. That's what he said at the end in his interview. You know, I just want to play in big games. I want to play in big moments. So it's really cool to see Matthew Stafford finally playing in those big moments. So he's my biggest winner uh, from championship weekend. Awesome. No, no, Joe, those are some great picks. Uh, I love the losers one. That one's actually pretty. I, I didn't know that. That's actually nuts. Um, yeah, I did see the moment, uh, Stafford and his wife shared and yeah, she had been battling cancer and had to relearn how to walk. Yeah. And what's nuts is if I'm not wrong, I'd been watching a TikTok about a woman who had been battling a brain tumor. had to completely learn how to rewalk. I am pretty sure that was her story on TikTok, and I just did not even know. And then literally sure. a day or two later, I watched the game and then they mentioned it and I'm like, I literally just probably watched a TikTok about this whole story and I had no idea it was her. Um, yeah. So yeah, like freaking the coolest thing ever. Um, I'll, I'll go into my losers first. I got two. It is the Kansas City Chiefs offense literally putting up three points in the second half when you need to win probably one of the biggest games of you know your guys' careers. Um, to come out in the second half and just be absolutely duds. That is, you just can't have that, Joe. Especially when you're a team that everyone talks about being the next dynasty. You can't put up three points in a championship game in the second half. I don't care if you're up. 20 points. You can't put up only three points in the second half. 
Yep. So the Chiefs uh, are one of my losers. And then number three, Tart on the Niners, dropping mm. that pick. He's another loser for me. Um, that's probably a moment he's practiced in his driveway, in his front yard, in practice over and over again. Like if, if the time comes, he's going to step up. And he, he failed. And I don't want to be too hard on the guy, but, I mean, you got to make that play. Um, and then my two winners are both wearing number nine in the Super Bowl. And that is Joe Burrow coming off a torn ACL, yeah. leading his team to the Super Bowl. And Matthew Stafford spending so much time in Detroit, seeing so many losing seasons, so much heartbreaking loss, going through everything he's gone through injury-wise, um, all the adversity he's faced, and to make it also to the Super Bowl. Just absolutely nuts. And congrats to both of those guys. And that's why I said I think it's going to be a really, really fun Super Bowl. I would like to just quickly shout out Detroit. We're going to have Eminem and Matthew Stafford in the Super Bowl. Close <laughs> yeah. Detroit will probably ever get to the Super Bowl, Joe. So yes. quick shout out to Detroit. You guys might, you guys made it. I mean, you guys are there. <laughs> yes, Detroit is our biggest winner of championship weekend. The Lions aren't there, but they got everything else important from Detroit there. Absolutely. We just need <laughs> Motor City Dan to visit. I mean, we yes. got the whole crew. Let's get MCDC out there. They're very, very good. Okay, we got our winners and losers out of the way. Why don't we move on? Two, a little bit of coaching news. Like like we said, this is kind of like a catch-up episode. We're kind of catching up on a lot of things. A little bit of a late ep- uh, upload this week, but a lot of coaching stuff has happened lately. Uh, before we get into the hires and the vacancies that are still there, uh, you know, and, and all that, we do have to talk a little bit about the craziest story that really took some of the shine out of Tom Brady's retirement. Like it, it like. It has to be a big story if it's going to take, you know, time away from uh, Tom Brady, the greatest player of all time, retiring. But that was Brian Flores, the former coach of my Miami Dolphins, uh, unfortunately my Miami Dolphins, but uh, he files a lawsuit. I got this notification at like 5 o'clock, like the very end of the day at work. Yeah. I, I, I get on my phone. I'm like, what the heck is going on? Like, I'm like get all these Twitter notifications. I'm like, what is happening? So Brian Flores files a loss, files lawsuits against the NFL, the Miami Dolphins, the New York Giants, the Denver Broncos, and the other 29 teams in the NFL uh, alleging racism, uh, uh, you know, un, unjust hiring slash firing, you know, stuff like that. Uh, you know, just all racial injustices, basically saying that he was not treated, uh, you know, right in interviews or others, you know, just a, really a systemic problem within the NFL based on, you know, there's only one black coach in the NFL right now, and that's Mike Tomlin. And that's that's a shocking fact. Uh, and we won't, we won't, you know, spend a whole lot of time on this, but just because I don't know about you, Mike, I feel underqualified to talk about stuff like this you know i'm not i'm not a you know well-versed in first off you know law, the law in in this lawsuit and all that but also yeah. just you know i i don't have enough experience as far as you know racial injustice and all this stuff and i've tried to be very very um you know understanding to that and and, and you know i've I, I know i had an episode very early on in this in this uh podcast where i talked about all the all the protests and all that and then i i try to be as respectful as i can i i just i don't want to you know step on any toes i don't want to you know say anything that i might 
you know, that, you know, I just, I feel underqualified, but we can talk about it a little bit. And it's, so why don't we just go over some of the things that Brian Flores has alleged uh, in this lawsuit? It's a pretty insane, insane lawsuit. So it's a 58 page lawsuit that was filed in uh, Manhattan federal court. Uh, let's, let's start with the Dolphins. What is he alleging uh, against the Dolphins? So he claims that owner Stephen Ross incentivized in 2019 losing games. We know this was the tank for two SEs and this was the year that the Dolphins blew up their entire roster. Allegedly, uh, Brian Flores is saying in this lawsuit that Stephen Ross, the owner of the Miami Dolphins, offered him $100,000 for every loss during that 2019 season, which if this is true, again, this is allegedly, allegedly, the Dolphins have come out, they've denied it. Uh, I'm not going to say whether who's, you know, who's right, who's wrong. I'm not going to get into that, but allegedly this is what he's claiming. Uh, horrible look for Stephen Ross. Horrible look for the Miami Dolphins. Um, he's also alleging that Stephen Ross tried to pressure him into uh, tampering with a prominent quarterback is how it said it in the lawsuit. Uh, and apparently... That prominent quarterback at the end of the 2019 season has now come out. That was Tom Brady. So Stephen Ross was trying to get Brian Flores to tamper, to try to get Tom Brady to sign in South Beach. Uh, and, you know, he, he invited him to his yacht, and then Tom Brady just also happened to be in the area at the time. So, you know, Brian Flores is alleging that happened. And then with the, uh, the Giants, he's alleging that um, he was interviewed just to cover the, the Rooney rule. It was a sham interview. They wanted Brian Dayball the whole time. And then with the Broncos, essentially the same thing. He It was a sham interview. John Elway and his associates showed up hungover. This is all, again, allegedly, this is just what he's alleging. John Elway showed up hungover. It was a short meeting. They showed up an hour late. And it was really just to cover the Rooney rule. So this is some of the just some of the allegations in this 58-page uh, lawsuit from Brian Flores. And Mike, I, I want to know your thoughts just... Any thoughts at all on, on, on this entire, I mean, nuclear bomb that Brian Flores just dropped on the NFL? Yeah, Joe, it's it's wild, that's for sure. Especially all this and then Brady retiring, all coming before the Super Bowl. I know none of the, the Bengals or Rams are probably too in tune into what's going on. They got their own things to focus on. But it's like, man, like, it couldn't have came at a worse time. Like, you, we should be celebrating, getting, looking forward to the Super Bowl now, you know, yep. especially this. This is going to linger for, you know, a, a long time. And I saw some reports that Brian Flores might have just given up his entire career as a coach. Um, yep. Might not be able to coach ever again in the NFL, which if it's true, it's it's really sad because he is a very well, uh, he, he's just a, he's a, he's a great coach. I think he did really well in the Patriots. Um, and I think he did very well with the Dolphins. I mean, the franchise was, I believe, a winning franchise in the, the years he was there. Um, so it just sucks that it has to come down to this. And, you know, I, as well, I do not know enough, um, to, to say a whole lot on the, the, the race side of things. I would hate to say something kind of dumb and stupid and step on a lot of people's toes. And I don't want to do that. Um, but. If all this does come out to be true, Joe, like a lot of the things that happened, especially with the Broncos and with the Giants, um, using the Rooney rule as just like, hey, you know, we interviewed you. Now we don't have to talk to you. Like, there we go. It's out of the way. I do think the NFL does need to look into the the process of hiring because 
Mike Tomlin being the only African-American head coach in the NFL, that, I just, that, I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to knock any coaches in the NFL saying that you're not good at your job. The only reason that you are there is because of your, the color of your skin. That's not what I'm saying. But if this all does come out to be true, I think the NFL really needs to take a look into the way they hire, like the process of hiring, um, look into, you know, how to set things up different and life isn't fair. I just would like to say that, like, um, you know, you, you do your best to get your shot and what you do with your shot is what you do. But I mean, at the end of the day, if you know, a team sways this way or that way, I mean, I, I hope everything works out for Brian Flores, but if, you know, I mean, I, I don't know the way the NFL has been for years. I don't see this going his way. Um, and which sucks because I mean, like I said, he's probably giving up his coaching career here. And I really, yeah. I really like Brian Flores. I really do. Um, he was a great coach. Like I said, um, I am very interested to see where it'll end up, but I mean, I don't know, Joe, that's, like that's, that's kind of why I think like it's tough. There, there's gotta be some merit behind what he's saying. Like he's gotta be confident that like he's, I find it hard to believe that he's just making up the things that he's saying because he is legitimately throwing his coaching career down the drain. Yeah. Like, honestly, it, you know, and it's not right that, that it's going to come to that, but it is. I would be stunned if he is ever a head coach in the NFL again. I honestly would because, you know, owners are going to say, oh, in, whether it's right or not, and it's not right, owners are going to say, oh, I can't trust you. You're just going to snitch on me for whatever or whatever, you know, this and that because of what you did with Stephen Ross and all that. You know, to me, you know, Brian Flores was saying, somebody asked him, like, uh, aren't you worried that you're throwing your NFL career away? And he said, as long as I make change, it'll be worth it. And that's, to me, why, like, you know, you got to look at these these claims seriously because he's mm -hmm. he's throwing his, his livelihood away. And I know he'll be yeah. fine. He's made millions of dollars. But it is definitely, like... Like it's uh, there's got to be some merit because the guy just doesn't throw his 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 job away like that. Like his ability to 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 get a head coaching job in the NFL, uh, but definitely there's going to be a ton of a ton of repercussions if if all this comes out is true. If all this is is legit, and I wouldn't be surprised, you know, with the whole Stephen Ross incentivizing teams his team to lose. If Stephen Ross ends up having to sell the team. If that comes out as true, um, Joe, you know, which I would love. Imagine he sells a team and we get a little Peyton Manning or Tom Brady up in there to buy the Miami Dolphins. Please, please, please. That would Imagine be unbelievable. I, I heard Peyton I Manning is so trying happy. to buy the Broncos. Yes. The Broncos are for sale right now. He's trying to buy the Broncos. Please. If, if that were to happen... That'd be great, because right now the Dolphins are in the deepest depth of the of the just despair. I don't even know where it's gonna like how we even get positive out of this right now. Because I don't know, man. I don't even know how they're gonna hire a coach. What kind of coach is gonna want to play for this front office and for this ownership? It's it's just a big, big, big fat mess. But we, we haven't even talked about the Bill Belichick thing. Real quick before we get into the oh next yeah. Thing. The Bill Belichick, the the text. Did you see the text that that I saw him, and, the text. him and Brian Flores had? Why don't you describe it to some of the listeners that maybe haven't haven't seen it? They're actually quite hilarious. So, Bill Belichick essentially texted Brian Flores, congratulating him on becoming the next head coach for the New York Giants. To which Brian Flores like felt, I guess, somewhat honored. Like, thanks, coach. He replied, but he said, "My my meetings with them Thursday. 
I don't know if I'll get the job. And then Bell kind of, like, I guess, replied saying, hey, sorry, uh, what I've been hearing is from Buffalo and from New York that you're the guy, you're going to be the guy. And Flores was super pumped. And then he responded with, Coach, you know you're texting Brian Flores, not Brian Dayball, right? <laughs> and Coach Belichick essentially said, oh, I screwed up. He used different words, of course, but, <laughs> you know, we are a PG or PG-13 podcast, I believe, so <laughs> I won't uh, repeat them. Anyway, he basically said he screwed up. He texted the wrong Brian, which I've heard some conspiracies, Joe. I've heard some conspiracies oh, here. I've boy. heard that Belichick did this on purpose to get the whole ball rolling on this Brian Flores thing to help a help a former coach out um, to, to get the NFL, maybe to see some light in what Brian Flores is saying. You know, Belichick is always playing chess when everyone else is playing checkers. Would not put it behind the man. I don't think that happened. But, I mean, at the end of the day, it's not the craziest thing I've heard. Um, so, I don't know. I, Bill, I mean, Bill, you got think, you got to put last names in your phone, man. You got to put yeah, last names in your phone. <laughs> that is for sure. That is for sure. I will say, I don't think Bill Belichick has done anything wrong. I saw so many people already been roasting Belichick, saying, like, he was doing something wrong. Meanwhile, he was literally just congratulating the wrong Brian. Like, yeah, he met, he he texted the wrong guy, but I mean, nothing what he did in that whole text messaging scenario was like disrespectful, rude, even you could say it, none of it was racist, like he just texted the wrong guy. Um yeah. I do want to say one man. more thing. I do want to say one more thing before if we, you know, in my I guess closing statement here is like I do sometimes I don't understand how some of these head coaches that have had zero success as coaches prior or even so much like as coordinators get interviews, jobs, and you see someone like a Brian Flores, uh, Eric Bieniemy, um, I'm blanking on my third one I had. Anyway, like Brian Flores was an amazing defensive coordinator and an amazing head coach for the Dolphins. Like I said, they won more games than they lost out there in Miami. Eric Bieniemy has been one of the best offensive coordinators in the NFL. Um, and I do not understand how he's not getting more opportunities to become a head coach. So I will say I don't understand how sometimes these teams can interview guys that have had no, almost no success as previous coaches and then hire them again. Maybe because they've had um, uh, experience. I don't know what it is. But I do feel like some coordinators do deserve their shots as well. Uh, but that's for the NFL to decide. That's for the you know the teams to decide. I am a, um, I'm just a guy behind a mic, um, talking with one of my best friends. Um, yeah. so I'm not gonna jump in and say that's what should happen. That's what needs to happen. Um, but I do think that some other guys do deserve some chances as well. But I mean, I'll leave it at that. Um, I don't know if you have anything else to add. Yeah, I yeah I agree. Like some guys like. It is kind of stunning, you know, that the the league is like 80 or 85%, whatever it is, African-American. The fact that we only have one African-American coach in the NFL is is, is pretty stunning and, and kind of hard to believe. So, yeah, definitely some guys, some other guys deserve opportunities. But I don't know. I don't know how we go about doing that, how the NFL goes about doing that. Uh, I, I don't know what kind of rules you can implement or, or what you can do to really enforce things like that. But yeah, it definitely would be nice to see guys get opportunities. Uh, but it's a tough it's a tough thing to fix. I, I, I don't know how they're going to do it, but I hope they figure something out. But 
moving on from more heavy stuff to to just some of the coaching hires and and, and still open vacancies uh, in the the NFL coaching carousel. And this coaching carousel feels like it's taking forever for for jobs to be filled. Like it took a long time for even the first head coach to be hired. So there was nine openings after Sean Payton stepped down from the New Orleans Saints job. There was nine openings in the NFL. And so far, uh, four and kind of five on the way here, the Vikings seem to have uh, kind of hired uh, a head coach. And it's not where I thought they were going, but they seem that they cannot officially hire this head coach, but they have uh, essentially hired a head coach. So we have the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, they brought in Josh McDaniels as their new head coach uh, from the from the New England Patriots offensive coordinator. There, they also bring in Dave Ziegler. Dave Ziegler. I don't know how exactly you pronounce that guy's last name, but the GM uh, also from the New England Patriots. And then we have the Giants brought in Brian Dayball. We've already talked about that and all the controversy involved there. And they also brought Joe Shane, both from the Buffalo Bills. And then Denver brings in Nathaniel Hackett, the offensive coordinator from the Green Bay Packers. Chicago uh, signs Matt Eberflus, the defensive coordinator from the Indianapolis Colts. Also bringing in Ryan Poles the G, uh, as their GM. Kind of funny that the Bears hired... Uh, a coach named Matt and a GM named Ryan when they just got rid of a coach named Matt and a GM named Ryan. But, you know, don't need to get too much into that. Uh, but we still have a few openings. Or actually, the Vikings apparently have have all but agreed to terms with uh, Rams offensive coordinator uh, Kevin O'Connell. Uh, it seemed like Jim Harbaugh was potentially going to get that job. Jim Harbaugh was floating around all these jobs uh, there was rumors with the Dolphins, but Jim Harbaugh just this evening, as we're recording this, actually announced that he's returning to Michigan for the 2022 season. So good for my Michigan Wolverines. Yeah, there you go. To, to have Jim Harbaugh back. Excited for that. But now, still openings. We have the New Orleans job, Jacksonville job, the Miami job, uh, and the Houston job still open. Uh, but, you know, we can just kind of discuss just briefly some of these jobs that are, 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 have been filled. Uh, and Mike, I don't know, you, you can take it wherever you want. Actually, I'll, I'll, I'll set you up. Uh, Josh McDaniels in Las mm-hmm. Vegas. This to me is a, is a very interesting hire. Um, Josh McDaniels is a guy who's been a head coach before. He was head coach in Denver uh, many years ago with, you know, when he drafted Tim Tebow uh, and um, never worked out there. And then he accepted, you know, verbally, a contract to go and 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 be the head coach of the Colts ended up backing out of that one of the biggest coward moves coward moves of all time in my opinion I think that was uh, just a, a ridiculous move by Josh McDaniels but now he gets another shot to be a head coach uh, in the in the NFL with the Las Vegas Raiders Mike I want to know it seemed like and and let me know if I'm wrong if I'm if I'm off. But I, I, looking at Patriots Twitter and their reaction to Josh McDaniels getting hired for the last Las Vegas job, it almost seemed like a lot of Patriots fans were excited that Josh McDaniels is no longer the offensive coordinator uh, for the New England Patriots. Can you do you agree with that? Is that something that you feel, or like, or like, what are your thoughts on on the Josh McDaniels hire and on, on the Dolph, uh, the Patriots no longer having Josh McDaniels? Um, I will say Joe that. 
Josh Mayo's brought a lot to to the Patriots with Tom Brady, and I think that he was a big key in the success of the Patriots, of course. And I will say, as a Pats fan, when he did say no to the Colts after saying yes, I was kind of excited because we got our offensive coordinator back, and we ended up you know, going on some great runs there with him again. So I will say I enjoyed that. I think where Josh McDaniels somewhat played his way out of New England, not saying they would have got rid of him, but I don't think they fought really hard enough to keep him because of the way he kind of played himself out of New England is this year with Mac Jones. I feel like Mac Jones came out of college hot and ready. He, I mean, he looked great in Alabama, uh, you know, his final year. Um, and I feel like so many times during the season, we would see Mac Jones get tuned back. And then the next game, they'd let him free and he would ball out. And you're like, okay, here we go. You know, we got our guy. And then the next week, they just tune him back again. And it's like, I didn't understand that. Like, I get it. He's a rookie. You kind of want to protect your rookie. But the man this year showed completing, I don't know his exact number, what it finished. I don't know if he now holds the record for rookie completion percentage. But he completed over 65% of his passes, I believe, as a rookie, which is nuts. He finished pretty high up there. And I think he had over 3,300 yards. Um... It's such an interception ratio was that that it wasn't bad. Of course, it wasn't elite, but it was pretty well, like pretty great for a, a rookie quarterback who played the entire season. Um, like everything he did this year was amazing. And Josh McDaniels just seemed to literally do everything he could to let that offense be as dead as possible. Because we saw in games where we were getting blown out, um, we would throw some trick plays near the end of the game that would somewhat you know, work. And then we'd get into the games late and and be like, why weren't we doing this at the beginning, at the beginning of the game? Um, and so, and then you would see us play games where we put up 50 points and be like, okay, we figured it out next week, put up 10 points and three quarters and be like, just like, what the heck? So there were so many ups and downs with our offense this year. So I feel like he kind of played his way out of new England and that's why they didn't try hard enough, I guess, to keep him. Um, cause essentially that's what he, it came down to. He said, New England just did not fight as hard as Las Vegas. And I am glad, Joe, because I feel like McDaniels and Brady had such a great chemistry together, and that's why we won so many games. And I feel like him, he did a great job with Mac Jones, but I feel like he was also holding Mac Jones back. And, I mean, only time will tell. If Mac Jones goes off next year, we'll say literally Josh McDaniels just completely held him out of his rookie year. And if Mac Jones struggles, well, then we could say Josh McDaniels was a big part of his success in his rookie year. But <clears throat> I think he held him back. I think McDaniels didn't do nearly enough to help the Patriots win. And I'm going to give you a hot take, Joe. I'm kind of hoping to see a return of Bill O'Brien as our offensive coordinator. Okay. I see. Um, you know, the Patriots are now offensive coordinator less. I feel like they might find someone in-house, but... I've heard a lot of a lot of speculation that Bill O'Brien could make a return. And, of course, everyone's going to think of Bill O'Brien, the guy who ruined the Houston Texans. I'm going to look at Bill O'Brien, the guy who literally had one of the best stints with the Patriots when we had Gronk and Aaron Hernandez, of course, and Tom Brady. Um, he literally had... We had, I think, the second best offense in the NFL during the stretch with Bill O'Brien. Um, I think he's a very well offensive mastermind. Um, so I think that bringing in Bill O'Brien would be great for the Patriots, especially now that we have the two tight end set with Jonah Smith and Hunter Henry. I think he would be very well at incorporating them because McDaniels clearly wasn't, 
But enough about the Patriots. Let me talk about the Raiders now. I think McDaniels to the Raiders makes a lot of success because, I mean, a lot of sense because of his success as an offensive coordinator because the Raiders the last few years have struggled offensively. Like, I mean, it's not um, unknown. Their offense has been pretty bad over time. Um, so I think McDaniel's going there. He's going to change up the offense. I think it could help them. I think their offense could be a lot better. I just don't know if the players are overly excited because I feel like they had this this bond with Rich Passaccia, Joe. I feel like, you know, yeah. they went through so much this last season with John Gruden and then the terrible things that happened with Hunter Rigg. Hunter, oh my gosh, Henry Ruggs. There you and go. then their other first round pick that I feel like they just bonded through so much, you know, um, despaired so much just bad luck and so many bad vibes in Vegas like they bonded so well together to bring him to the playoffs like I don't know why they don't resign um, Bisaccia for like a year or Bisaccia I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right sign him for a one year deal see what he can do again um, so I didn't understand that but I think McDaniels is a good hire yeah I, I, I don't know if McDaniels will be able to be a uh, great head coach. He's a great offensive coordinator. I th- I do think though, Patriots fans. I mean, I don't know. I think maybe you included. I think you guys are gonna. You guys might might end up kicking yourself because to me, the one thing that Josh McDaniels is one of the best I've ever seen at in in my history of watching football. I've never seen a an offensive coordinator coordinator that can scheme guys open the way that Josh McDaniels has. When you watch a Patriots game, and even this last year, I don't. there's never as many open receivers for any other team as there is for Josh McDaniels and for the New England Patriots. To me, he, you know, the Patriots always seem like they have a guy wide open somewhere on the field. And to me, I think that's what makes Josh, Josh McDaniels so good. And who knows? Maybe the Patriots find their next great guy like they always do, and they won't miss a beat. But to me, I think Josh McDaniels is really good at that. But as far as any other hires uh, that, that I want to quickly talk about, um, Nathaniel Hackett, I think that's a really interesting hire by Denver just because I think that they're trying to get Aaron Rodgers to come oh. to Denver. I was going to ask you about that, Joe. 100%. I thought this was going to be Dan Quinn's job to lose. This seemed like it was going to be Dan Quinn's job. But, I mean... Come on, how is this not them trying to get Aaron Rodgers? Aaron Rodgers talked up Nathaniel Hackett, said he loved Nathaniel Hackett. The Broncos flirted with 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 the idea of bringing in Aaron Rodgers during the draft this past season. To me, this is just the first step, and I respect it. Honestly, if Denver can bring in Aaron Rodgers because of bringing in Nathaniel Hackett, it'll be all worthwhile, in my opinion. I don't know what your thoughts are, are on that, Mike. Uh, I'll keep it short and sweet. I think... I think it's 100% what they're trying to do, Joe. Um, and, I mean, why not follow Peyton Manning and retire a Bronco? I mean, we've seen them. Yeah. They had a sneaky good defense to finish the year. And, you know, I feel like they're a quarterback away from being a very good team. The only thing that I'm hesitant about, Joe, is do they have enough talent to, to get to a Super Bowl? Because we've seen Aaron Rodgers get to plenty of championship games and just, yep. just, miss, it, just miss it short and... Is Aaron really ready to just jump ship and go to another team to potentially get to a championship and lose or get to the playoffs and lose? Like, Aaron wants Super Bowls, Joe. We we both know that. So is that really the place he wants to go? I guess we'll have to, you know, see and time will tell. Yeah, Denver is becoming the retirement home for Hall of Fame quarterbacks, apparently Peyton Manning and then potentially Aaron Rodgers. Uh, but no, that'll be interesting. 
Uh, and then before we wrap things up, I do, I, I do want to say, like, the Brian Dayball hire, I, I actually kind of like that hire for the Giants. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lot of rumors that he was going to go to the Dolphins, and that doesn't excite me as much just because Tua, I don't think, fits with what Brian, Brian Dayball's offense was to me, though. Daniel Jones, I know he hasn't been amazing, and, and he hasn't been that guy yet, but to me, his skill set is closer to that of what, and I, and I am by no means comparing Daniel Jones to Josh Allen. Josh Allen is light years ahead of him. But, you know, maybe Brian Dayball can come in, get the best out of a guy like Daniel Jones, who's an athlete, just like, you know, Josh Allen, maybe not to the extent of Josh Allen, but he's a fast guy. He's a guy who's, you know, he, he's, he's an athletic quarterback. You know, he's got a nice arm. You know, I, I think if anybody's going to get the best out of Daniel Jones, maybe it's Brian Dayball. Uh, and as far as, you know, any other jobs, I don't know a whole lot about Matt Eberflus, but I've heard a lot of good things about him. Um, and uh, uh, Kevin O'Connell would be interesting to see another Sean McVay guy. And as far as my Dolphins go, it really looks like the only good option left is, is Mike McDaniel. I hope they go ahead and hire Mike McDaniel, the offensive coordinator, for the 49ers, but Mike, and I don't know if you have any any other thoughts on any head coaching hires or, or, or the coaching surges. Uh, no, honestly, other than who's going to fill in the void for my Patriots OC now, um, I'm very curious on that. Also, our DC, we really don't have a set defensive coordinator because our defense was horrible there down the stretch, basically all year. Um, so, I mean, if Brian Flores is going to get a chance anywhere, why not come back to the Patriots, the one team Please where he no. had a lot of success on? Please, no. I think that'd be, I think that'd be a wonderful reunion. Um, no. I don't know if there's any bad blood there. I know you mentioned he is suing basically every team. But uh, one thing I do want to ask you, Joe, I know this is not probably true at all. You think Brian Flores just said, ain't going to Jacksonville, ain't going to New Orleans, ain't going to Houston, because those teams are all absolutely awful. Um, maybe just sue the NFL instead, get, you know, get my settlement and run, you know, maybe had a better chance of doing that than winning anything with any of those teams. I listen, I would be lying if I said my, you know, that didn't cross my mind. I would be lying if I didn't like, that's, I I don't know if that's a disrespectful thing to think, but like, I've, it definitely crossed my mind that maybe he just thought I'm not getting any of these jobs anyways. So I might as well try to expose the NFL and, you know, all the power to him if that's what he did. I definitely crossed my mind at one point. But we were going to do some award predictions, but honestly, we're about at about an hour and a half. I think that's long enough for this week's episode. I had a lot of fun, Mike. I don't know about you. Oh, dude, this is like one of my favorite episodes, I think, if not my favorite. Dude, with this jam-packed episode. This was an absolute jam-packed episode. Uh, just really taking all the things from the past few weeks, loading them into one episode. Uh, the Super Bowl's coming up. Uh, Mike, oh, yeah. I don't know if you have... Really excited for that. I don't know if you have anything else you want to say before we wrap up I this week's show. I think everyone who's listening still at this point in the podcast, shout out to you guys. You guys are warriors. Tune <laughs> in to next week. I think we're going to have a very fun episode for you guys as the Super Bowl is right around the corner. I'm pumped. I know Joe's pumped. Um, I think I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So make sure you tune in to next week for sure because we're going to have a lot to talk about about the, the good old Super Bowl. Yes, sir. Uh, Super Bowl's coming up. It's almost the off season. Uh, we uh, appreciate you guys listening to uh, another episode of the show, episode eighty-six. I think it is. Holy smokes! Almost a hundred. Yeah, almost a hundred. Thank you guys for uh, tuning in every week, and make sure you guys subscribe to the podcast. Make sure you give us a five-star rating. Share us with your friends, with your family. 
uh, for Mike and for myself and for JT behind the mic doing all the hard work. Uh, you know, we will, like always, catch you guys on the next one.